0: There and Welcome to the Birth Story Therapist Podcast, a safe space for mamas and parents to share their birth stories, discuss common issues experienced with parenting, feel heard and validated, engage in discussion about the complexity of their motherhood journeys and how they manage their mental health along the way. Come here every week to hear from mamas who are just like you, figuring it out one day at a time. Here from myself, Crystal, licensed therapist, host of this podcast, and private practice owner of Southeast Perinatal Counseling. I specialize in maternal mental health, if you haven't guessed already. I'll share helpful tips and techniques to manage your mental health as you navigate motherhood, both in the perinatal and postpartum period, As well as bring on other mamas so you can gain from their history, their stories, maybe some gems that you can apply to your motherhood journey. And of course, I also have on professionals within the maternal mental health space that might be able to offer additional techniques and resources to help you along the way. I want to welcome today's guest mama to the Birth Story Therapist podcast by extending my support and empathy as you share your beautiful story I consider all of us moms to be vessels pouring into each other validation, grace, support, and hope by way of storytelling. I'm excited for you to share your story because I know that I'm going to be able to pick up some helpful and useful tips. So yeah, so share a little bit about who you are and any other information that might help us get to know you a bit better.
1: All right. Well, my name is Crystal. I live in Dallas, Texas. I'm originally, well, somewhat originally from uh, Columbia, South Carolina. My family is military. Um, But me and my husband, we met in um, high school, and we actually live out here in Dallas now. We're working. um, I do media relations for a transportation company that everyone knows, but I will not say. (laughs) And yeah, so that's pretty much um about me and I just gave birth in March, um March 31st to be exact, to my very first child, Taj Ali. Um and he's been so much fun and yeah, that's that's pretty much about me at this point. <laughs> Yay! So welcome
0: Crystal and congratulations on your new bundle of joy.
1: Thank you
0: yeah so I am really excited for us to jump in and hear all about your birth story, so share with us you know what what it looked like when you maybe initially found out that you were expecting
1: up until your labor all right well, um wow, that's that actually is pretty loaded because I feel like so much happened um during my actual pregnancy and also my labor too. So I'll I'll try to condense it as much as possible. But um, we found out we were pregnant in, let's see, it was July. Um, Really exciting time. I kind of knew that during the whole quarantine process that it was likely going to (laughs) happen. But um, we were really excited. Just, you know, the news, we waited for a very long time. Um, As I was saying before, you know, my husband and I We've been together since the 12th grade, um, pretty much. Well, not the 12th grade, the, yeah, well, yeah, the 12th grade. (laughs) So it's been a really long time. um, And, you know, we just waited. Um, We even, you know, coming out here, we just kind of wanted to have time to just be married and have that experience. So we were really ready for children. We both really love kids and, um, it kind of just happened. It just kind of felt like it was the right time, and um, finding out was pretty great. Um, first trimester, easy. Second trimester, I started to feel somewhat like some pain um, in my like pubic bone area. So that was probably the only issue with my second trimester. Third trimester, it was a whole different animal. It was so wild. Um, it was like everything that could possibly happen started happening. So we found out that the um pubic bone pain was actually something called and um you all will find that I can't pronounce much of anything that happened to me <laughs> during this time, but it was called uh I think it was symphysis pubic dysfunction or something like that, which is an issue where the are relaxing in your body, which um, kind of moves your joints for pregnancy and gets your body prepared for um, giving birth. Um, you have a little bit too much of that in your body. And if you're already somewhat flexible, um, sometimes it can um, overload those joints and it can cause a lot of severe pain. So I started having to go to physical therapy for that. Um, also, I had a lot of uh, preeclampsia um, scares, So, um, I was going back and forth to the doctor. I was monitoring my blood pressure at home, and then um, it would be kind of high, or when I would go into the doctor's office, it would be high also. And then I'd go into the hospital um, because they were really concerned, and all of a sudden it'd be normal, Um, and I'd get sent back home. And this happened multiple times, um, probably four to five times. I, I don't even remember at this point because everything was so <laughs> overwhelming during that time. But yeah, so a lot of preeclampsia scares. Um, also another thing called, oh man, how do I pronounce this one? Coleostasis, um, which um, can be fatal to the baby um, and it only presents itself as itching in the hands and in the feet. Um, And it's something that a lot of people don't really talk about. So I didn't know about it. I just happened to Google those symptoms and it came up um, and it was matching pretty much what was happening to me. So I went into the doctor and they had to uh, take a blood test to see if that was going on. Thankfully, um, it wasn't. So because they would have had to induce me um, right away and I was past the time that they would normally induce you um, if you were to have that. So, yeah, so that one was pretty scary, too. And, um, also, um, another really, (laughs) this one is embarrassing, but this did happen and it does happen to people. So I'm just gonna say it. I had really bad hemorrhoids to the point where I couldn't leave the house. Like it was really, really bad, really, really painful. You can't sleep on your stomach and sleeping on your back really isn't good during that time. So yeah, it was, that was pretty tough. But, um, outside of that, as well. This was all during the third trimester. So this is this is a lot. Outside of that, as well, um, probably the biggest scare was with um COVID, which we can talk about that issue too later, you know, during the podcast and just what that's like being pregnant during this time. Um I was actually being super cautious. We never did anything, never had people over. Um, I mean, to the point where I hadn't really seen anyone um, during the whole quarantine period. And also, well, especially while I was pregnant, Um, my parents were really interested in coming down. I decided we should all take tests before, you know, just as a safety precaution before anyone came around each other. And I was the only one who came back positive. Um, we think it may have been a false positive, but, uh, cause I didn't have any symptoms, but that meant I had to quarantine, um, away from my husband, who was like the only person I had around during that time, during the last week of my pregnancy, which was super traumatic for me. Um, just not being able to see anyone and just being in that very vulnerable state, um, and not knowing what the protocols were going to be if you're COVID positive and you're giving birth. So that one was a really tough one. Um, Everything worked out um, in the end. But yeah, so a lot happened during my third trimester. You mentioned several different medical
0: conditions, which I won't even begin to try and pronounce either. So we're going to leave them there. Um, (laughs) But talk to us about the reality of having to move through those medical complications compared to how maybe you perceive how pregnancy might would have went for you, maybe based off of you know traditions around you or you know your even your your friends outside of family or even society or what you see on TV, um and 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 how that how that ended up shaping out for you.
1: Um, it was really kind of just shocking. I think mostly because no one really talks about these scary parts of pregnancy. They talk about the scary parts of labor, of course, but the actual pregnancy process um, when it comes to all of the things medically that can happen to you, you don't know until you're in the moment and it's happening to you um, a lot of times. And then sometimes you'll mention those things to someone um, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, that happened to me. And it's like, why are you telling me, girl? <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's, such a, it's such a personal process for a lot of people, which I definitely understand. And also, too, once you have the baby, it's just like go, go, go mode. You, sometimes you don't get a chance to reflect, which is really uh, why a podcast like this is so important. But um, having had time to reflect and remember all of those medical things that I went through is actually really shocking. Um, even I'll say, especially probably the most shocking one, even though, you know, the COVID one was like, you know, super major was the coleostasis one, um, with the itching because you do itch in pregnancy. And, um, a lot of times well, with this one, it's with the hands and the feet, but just not knowing what that is, thankfully, you know, that didn't turn out to be anything for me. Um, just not knowing what that is and never having heard of it. It's not like someone gives you a handbook when you're pregnant and you're like, if you feel this symptom, you know, they might give you like a list when it comes to like gestational diabetes or, um, preeclampsia or something like that. Cause those are the two major ones that they look for, but there are also other small little things that you really have to advocate for yourself for and make sure that you get checked out. Um, yeah, because you, you just don't know sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I can
0: imagine, you know, I heard you share in the beginning that you and your spouse are down in Dallas. And while I know that you all have made amazing friends, um, it can sometimes feel isolating, especially when you're going through something like this and no one around you is either pregnant or has gone through these things. And so when we look at, you know, one word specifically that I heard you use, which was overwhelm. Talk to me about how you sort of regulated that emotion or, um, even if it's still present now, you know, what, what were you able to do with that emotion as you were moving through that third trimester that was difficult?
1: Yes, it was, um, it was very difficult and I don't even want to mince words on saying how, you know, difficult it was for me in particular, um, Especially when you talk about the isolation factor, that was a really big one. And I'm an introvert, like through and through, I can literally go weeks without seeing people and I'll be completely fine as long as I'm at home, and I'm in my space and in my zone, I'm okay. But the reality of the matter is when you're pregnant, there are some expectations that you just think of automatically with pregnancy, Mm -hmm. like being around family, taking pictures, um, um, uh, having a baby shower, that sort of thing. Um, Those things are things that I wasn't really comfortable with during this time because of COVID. Cause I knew that if something happened to me, I want to be able to go to my doctor's appointments, which are really important um, to me, uh, which I wasn't able to go to my last one because of that COVID uh, scare that we had. Um, And just, you know, not wanting anything to happen to the baby, of course, you know, or to, to myself or to my spouse, if I were to pass COVID onto my spouse. So that caused that extra layer of isolation, just not being able to see anyone. And um, thankfully, I had a lot of friends who were pregnant at the same time. So even though I weren't, able, I wasn't able to see them, I was able to, you know, talk to them on the phone, text them, you know, share what was going on with me. And that's what I tried to focus on more so than the fact I didn't have that physical support day to day because I still had my husband, which he was amazing support. So I was able to lean on him. Um, so what I decided to do was put more emphasis on that emotional support and um, look at how that was helping to benefit me. So I didn't feel so bad about things like not having the baby shower or not having, you know, family able to be there to help me on a day to day basis.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate the fact that you said that, Crystal, because it, you know, further increases or encourages us to um really think about shifting our perspective from the things that we cannot control or the things that are outside of our control to the things that we can. And I'm sure from what it sounds like, it was useful for you to figure out the things that you can control, which are setting up you know, Zoom with your family or friends mm-hmm. or like you said, talking on the phone or texting, trying to find a connection in that way since the in-person options were not available. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: And so COVID, we're on COVID and, you know, it's so important for me to be able to um, really get into the grief, that I've heard a lot of moms and parents talk about as it relates to being pregnant and not being able to have some of those things that you mentioned like a baby shower. Mm-hmm. And so talk to me about if any did you experience grief of those experiences and if you did, you know, how were you able to move through them? And I know we talked about your support system, but was there anything internal that you were able to pull from if possible?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I would really describe that as a grieving process because um, it's a situation where you imagine your whole life, your pregnancy is going to be a certain way. And then when it comes, the world is literally on its head and you can't expect those same things. Um, so you definitely go through a process where there's a lot of letting go, like of how you expect things to be just for your safety. Like it's just for safety really at that point. Um, so I I definitely went through that process, but what I will say is it wasn't all bad because there are definite trade-offs to being pregnant during this time. So while I was upset a lot of times because of things I wasn't going to be able to experience, even my husband, he wasn't able to come to my first ultrasound, which is a really big deal for, you know, families. Um, I didn't have to go to work. I was working from home. So, you know, that first trimester that you go through, you're sick, you're feeling, you know, really, really just different because of your hormones and even, you know, that final Trimester, just feeling so different in your body as you have like, you know, just weight on the front of you. It's hard to navigate. Working from home was really beneficial for me. And um, it was actually really relieving because I didn't have to come into work or every day or be out in the world where people want to touch my stomach (laughs) and, you know, just do things that just are like violating the boundaries. So I was able to cultivate for myself just a little hub of safety and just security at home. So that was something that I tried to focus on was just making my home surroundings really comfortable. So, um, that was really fun for me just settling in further into my home and, um, It kind of helped me keep my mind off of focusing out on what I was missing out on. I will say um, that one of the big things that I really, really wanted to do, I knew I couldn't do much. One of the big things that I really, really wanted to do was take maternity pictures. Mm -hmm. On the day I was scheduled to take maternity pictures, I got rear-ended and I had to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Third trimester for me. It was just out of control. Um, and I think that that was really the moment that I confronted the idea that things just aren't going to go how you think they are. So accept what the moment is, accept what it's going to be. And even though it's not the memory that you might want it to be or the situation you want, it's still a memory. So we're, you know, in the hospital bed taking pictures, you know, <laughs> hmm. That's why they face full of makeup, you know, just kind of trying to move past the situation and you can't always do it. Um, sometimes you just really just need to feel how you're feeling and um, honor those feelings. But for me, um, in particular, in instances like that, when, you know, something like that meant a lot to me, um, it was better for me in that instance to let it go. And I just rescheduled and we took family pictures on Mother's Day weekend. And that was one of the most beautiful experiences for me. So. Just kind of trying to shift your expectations and birth something new out of it. Yeah, yeah. I really
0: love that. Surrendering to the moment and really allowing yourself to honor your feelings. I really Mm -hmm. appreciate that. And, you know, I feel like a lot of times when we do experience expectations that get derailed or don't go as planned, that we do turn inward typically and we're like, all the what ifs, all the negative thoughts start flowing, possibly even negative Mm self-talk. And it's so important for us to just remember that, you know, we are deserving of some self-compassion and the next moment where we can find happiness and joy that we don't have to stick in this moment of somber and um, frustration and anger and sadness. So thank you for um, reiterating that and encouraging us all to, to remember to extend grace to ourselves in moments where expectations fall. So I appreciate that.
1: And, and you know, I'll say to your point that you made just now, a lot of times it can feel good to be in those places where you feel down, because mm-hmm. even though you even though you don't really you know it might not be the healthiest thing to do, but sometimes it can feel good because you've hoped so much before for a better outcome mm-hmm. that you know that if you just expect the worst, then you won't be disappointed in that way. And it took so much during the pregnancy, especially that third trimester area, to um, not try to stay in those emotions um in ways that would negatively impact me. Not saying that I couldn't feel them, but um staying there longer than I knew I wanted them for myself. Um yeah. something that I really had to learn how to do. And it's been very helpful um <laughs> um after you know baby is here now and things are you know even more turned up than ever mm-hmm. before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. been a learning process.
0: I'll I'll say to that point, because you jogged (laughs) me there, that um, a lot of times those emotions kind of serve as a protective factor, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're you're like, you know, if I think that, hell, third trimester has already been crazy for me, it's probably going to get even more, you know what I mean? Like you you allow yourself to um, stay in that Mm -hmm. moment where you're not rejecting these things when it can be helpful to to you know surrender to what to what is actually happening and mm-hmm. to allow yourself to move through those things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, you used the word a while back, and it was the word boundary as you were talking about um, cultivating um, your home space and really leaning into that before Baby Taj got here, and I know that. Sometimes creating boundaries, whether it's with work, like I'm not staying late because, you know, I have my little one to get to or with family, I want to come over or all sorts of play, even with your time or your physical space. Talk to us about boundaries that you created outside of yourself that um, you had to work through um, and that have helped you as you've navigated motherhood so far.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely say I was consciously creating boundaries um for myself because my personality type, um, I'm pretty laid back and easygoing. Um, so a lot of times setting a firm boundary, saying no, it doesn't come as easy to me. I'll just be like, Oh, I'll do it, or I'll let it happen and you know, I'll I'll take care of, you know, however I feel about it or whatever the fallout is later. Um I didn't want that for my child. So, I knew that I needed to work on that in me first before I would be able to have that um that part of me available for Taj once he was born. So, consciously, um I would make sure that if I wasn't comfortable with something, um I was vocal about it, so whether that was something um like s- as simple as and and this is a good thing, people offering help um because of everything that was going on, I wasn't as comfortable, so I had to say no right and you know and not with the um. Uh, so at, there were times, you know, in life where if I didn't really want something, I would make an, up an excuse for it that wasn't maybe the real thing. It'd be more like, well, we got to go do this or do that. No. The no is, hey, no, we're not comfortable right now because of, you know, X, Y, and Z, but thank you. Um, we'll let you know. We'll reach back out later, you know, when we're ready, that sort of thing. And um, it was fine. So all these years I built up, you know, this fear, I guess, of telling people that hard no, that hard truth, making that hard boundary. Um, and then I just started exercising that in myself and it became more comfortable, more comfortable. And now it's easy with Taj. Like um, when people, you know, ask things about, you know, coming to visit or that sort of thing. Hey, this is what we require. That's easy for me now. Yeah. Um. So it's it's been a lot better. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, and I think we all get to that place, and sometimes it takes time. It could even be different areas where you're more, most comfortable, um, but it's so important. Boundaries are incredibly healthy and helpful. A lot of times people see them as walls or um, a way to drive people away even, but that is not what it is. Boundaries are safe for mm-hmm. your emotional, your physical Uh, your sexual, all types of different areas of your life. So thank you for sharing um, those statements even that we can use in our lives in order to create safe boundaries for ourselves and our family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so walk us through your delivery. Talk to us a little bit about that. What happened leading up to um, and after?
1: Talk to us about that. Yeah, so... um Leading up to, so leading up to was the whole COVID situation, which we talked about um, previously in our conversation. Mm-hmm. So during that week, I was so flustered. I was literally in the guest room in my house um, for the week, trying to stay away from my husband just in case so that I wouldn't pass anything on to him because if um, I did have COVID, Um, outside of like feeding the baby and that sort of thing, he would have had to be more of the primary caretaker for the baby just so I didn't pass anything on to the baby if that was the situation. So I stayed in the room pretty much the whole week prior to my delivery, even the day um, that I was um, supposed to give birth, my original due date. You know, I'm just in this room, just kind of isolated, just laying in the bed, thinking to myself, (laughs) Pretty much um, just about how did I get to this point after being so careful. But (laughs) of course, you know, you just can't control things um, all the time in the way that you want to, which was a really uh, another lesson that I really had to learn. Um, So I had been really flustered that week. And um, talking to my doctor over the phone, she was like, we probably need to schedule you for an induction because your blood pressures are coming up high. Mind you, during this time um, of me quarantining myself, I also had to go back and forth to the hospital because my blood pressure kept going up and down. And what I think it was now, um, it was not really in my mind, and I'm not even sure how all of this works. Um, I never got diagnosed with preeclampsia. I would just have um, high blood pressures at times during my pregnancy. I think it was stress Mm -hmm. um, more so than um, being something, you know, hormonal, um, because they definitely started to come up high during this uh, COVID scare time. Mm -hmm. Um, So my doctor wanted to induce me and I was telling her, no, I don't want an induction. I don't want to do it. (laughs) And she was like, we'll give you the weekend to, um, try to go into labor yourself since your due date is here, you know, try to go into labor yourself. But if the baby doesn't come, um, within the next couple of days, well, by next, I think it was next Monday or Tuesday, um, that she had said, I think it was Tuesday, um, cause so they scheduled my induction, I think for the 29th of, I can barely remember anything, mommy brain, um, <laughs> for the 29th of March, um and um, she's like, if the baby doesn't come by then, we're just going to have to bring you in for an induction. Um, And I said, fine. I was really stubborn about it. And um, I decided to do everything I could. I worked with my doula um, closely with her to see, you know, what else can I do to try to make this baby come? Um, So I was drinking uh, this tea she had made for me. I was doing all these different positions. Come the 29th, or was it the 30th? Come the 30th. Yes, the 30th. <laughs> come the 30th. Um, I noticed a definite change to where my contractions were painful. And um I was just noticing different changes with my body. So I called and they said, You may be going into labor, so you can just go ahead and come in. So this was the day I was scheduled for my induction, and I just put myself into labor basically. Um So once I get into the hospital, they uh, put the medicine in me to soften my cervix and get that baby going. And then overnight, I guess, you know, labor really started. Um, And I was pretty much in labor all day on the 31st. And I knew if I didn't get Taj out, I was going to have an April Fool's baby. That was the... I don't know why that was the one fixation that I'm very big on like numbers and dates and all that kind of thing. I did not want an April fool's baby. I was like, this cannot happen for me. I just don't want that. So, I mean, the pushing, I was really trying. When I first started um, the pushing situation, oh, I, I got an epidural. Um, also, I caught a fever. That was another thing. I caught an infection. Um So baby's heart rate was going like up and down when I would have contractions. So that was an issue that was happening too during my labor. Um, But for some reason, I I guess I didn't know the severity of all of that. Of course, it it sounds severe when I say it back to myself, but I really feel like my brain was just in a different place at the time because of everything that had happened during my pregnancy. So it's just like, okay, this is just one more thing to worry about. So um, I think my brain was just ready for it to be over with and done. So the first uh, part of me pushing, um, it was like, I couldn't, I don't even know if I felt like I could do it um, in the beginning. I was just like, how do women do this? Because you see so many stories where it's like, yeah, I pushed two times and the baby was out. How? Mm -hmm. How? How? Like, that's how I kept thinking the whole time. So I was I was trying. Um, It was very difficult. Um, And my doctor told me to just take a break. I took that break. And it's like something in me just clicked in my head. They had came back in and told me, you know, baby's heart rate was dropping during the contractions and that sort of thing. I was like, okay, well, I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's get this baby out. After that, it's just like, I turned into a different person. Like my brain just went to another place in this time in, um, 1127 before April fools. Mm -hmm. I got Taj out and they originally took him to check him out to see if he needed to go to the NICU, um, because of the fever that I had. And also when he came out, um, my doctor, she said she'd never seen a placenta that looks like this. He had passed a lot of meconium when he was, um, on the inside. And um, it stained my placenta and they had to check him to make sure that he didn't breathe it in. Thankfully, he did not. And he was able to, you know, stay with us, which was great. Um, so we were really happy. He had some jaundice, too. So between the infection that I had and um, the jaundice, we ended up staying in the hospital for, I believe, like four days. Um, yeah. So we were in there for a while. But yeah. Um, I'll say that I had a really good hospital experience. Um, I know that that is not um, the situation for a lot of uh, mothers, especially black mothers. So I was really grateful. Um, And I really considered that a privilege that my hospital situation was, you know, really positive. Um, I had a really great experiences with the nurses and the doctors, which was something that I was really nervous about. So I was very particular when, um, Picking my medical team, which we can talk about that later too, if we have time, but um, I was very particular in the beginning about who I wanted to deliver my baby, so um that I think that that really really helped me in being confident with uh the birthing process, but yeah, that's pretty much what happened during the birth. Wow,
0: it's uh, I'm sitting over here smiling because I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, like w- this person who Went through all of these things during this third trimester and went out here and just pushed the baby out. You know what I mean? Like I feel like sometimes we don't necessarily give, I don't know, the light, the beam of light that moms deserve when we talk about childbirth and all of the experiences that go with Kind of like how we talked about earlier, those perceptions of how pregnancy was going to go. The exact Mm. same thing with childbirth. Like we think, oh, you know, you get pregnant, you have a healthy pregnancy, you deliver a baby, mom is healthy, baby's healthy, no complications. Like you go on your merry way. And that's just not always the case. And so I appreciate your transparency and talking to us about. Um, the conditions that you experience in your third trimester and throughout delivery. Now, one thing that I heard you mention that I really want to spend some time on is that medical team. And so, yes, girl, we do have time to talk about that because it's so important for us to be able to highlight the importance of creating your team and Um, Those people standing around you and supporting you. And so talk to us about what that looked like, how you knew which direction you were going to go in when building your team and how they served you.
1: Yeah. So one of the really big things that I focused on my first trimester was immediately securing a doula. So I will start there. Um, being out here in Texas, not having, you know, a lot of physical support that I could lean on from like family and friends. I definitely wanted to get a doula because I had a lot of questions and I needed a lot of answers and I wanted them when I could get them (laughs) and right away. So out in Texas, especially to living in Dallas, um, the doulas go fast because people kind of are just open to having a doula. I know some other places Um, That might be a little less common, but they go fast. You have to book them early. You have to, you know, kind of know early on. So I immediately started researching and that's where I started was with my doula because a doula, um, if they're really acquainted with the area, they can also help you add people onto your birth team um, in different areas, depending on what you need. If they are familiar with the resources, um, which my doula, she's definitely familiar with resources. Um, My OB, I had already picked her earlier within the year um, because I was scheduling um, a pap smear. So I had already done my research on her and had kept her in mind um, for the birth. So I hadn't met with her yet, but I had already known. Um, And also, I decided to get chiropractic care because I have scoliosis. Um, So everyone knows, well, for the most part, scoliosis means your spine is crooked Um, I have that, I have some back issues every once in a while I knew with pregnancy, it would be really difficult, um, with carrying the baby. And also I was nervous about, uh, if I needed an epidural, which I ended up getting, um, what that experience would be like with scoliosis, um, because my sister has it as well. And she shared with me her experience. So I didn't know what that experience would be like for me. Um, and I should mention all of these care providers, I picked black women. Um, that was really important to me just considering the, um, mortality rate. Um, I was really nervous, um, especially not knowing, you know, if my mom would be able to be there to be in the birthing room with me, which she wasn't, but my doula was able to be in there with me. Thankfully, I didn't have to have her, you know, advocate for too much, um, while she was in the room because the team was so, so great, um. But having her there was very comforting for me. Um, having you know a Black um, OB was really comforting for me as well. She's also a sorority sister. So that was um, helpful. That gave us that extra bond um, where I could be open with her about things and she could really be real with me about things. I, I remember you know when I was talking to her about how I didn't want to be induced. I was really firm about that. I was upset about that. And she was able to talk to me On a level of, hey, this is what you need to do. And it's actually good that we did do that because of the meconium situation, which I had no idea, you know, that was going on inside of me. So her encouragement and actually saying, hey, this is what we need to do for you actually turned out, you know, to be the best decision for Taj and his health. Um, And I was more open to listening to her. Um, My chiropractor, I would say that was probably one of my favorite experiences was going to the chiropractor. She was way across town. But I am very, um, very sensitive to who you allow to like lay hands on you, you know, even when it comes down to prayer, you know, in those situations, like who you allow to lay hands on you to like speak over you to interact with you in that way, especially when you're pregnant. Um, that's a, such a sensitive time for you. It, her, vi- her Visiting her, you know, from week to week, I did biweekly sessions with her to weekly sessions. Visiting her was so comforting and calming. And she's also a doula as well. Um, and just, it was like a reset almost each week when I would go visit her. And she just basically put me into alignment physically, but even, you know, her energy was very aligning as well. So I definitely enjoyed working with her. Um just all of those things, um, just making sure that you build a team that you feel comfortable with, that you feel open with, um, that you can uh, talk to and express you know, your concerns with, it's just really important. Um, and I, what I will say is, being in Dallas where you have like a little more people, a little more diversity, it was easier for me to find that team. So that was definitely a privilege for me. Um and but I can realize how other areas it might make it more difficult to find um a team that's so down to the, you know, personality of the, the person that you want. So I just took advantage of it because I had that opportunity being here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm so glad that it worked out for you and you were able to connect with what sounds like an amazing birth team. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned a moment ago the word energy. You also mentioned spirituality. And because I am a mental health provider, it's important for us to kind of talk about therapy as well. And so talk to me about how you were able to manage your, and we're still on the pregnancy, we're about to go to postpartum in a moment, Mm -hmm. but talk to me about how you manage your mental and emotional well-being within those three realms. So again, therapy, spirituality, um, and energy as
1: well. Yes. So, um, One thing that was really important to me that I actually started doing this um, before this is a little more of a woo woo practice is what I'll say before um, I actually even became pregnant. Um, I joined a women's circle, which was actually focused on womb health. So um, originally it started off as just, you know, a circle of women getting together. I didn't know any of them. We just were doing this over Zoom during the beginning of quarantine. And then it turned into a womb circle where we did womb health exercises um, and meditations and that sort of thing. And I think that that really kind of put me into the mindset for pregnancy and kind of helped. Usher in this new phase in my life, so that was more of, uh, I guess, the woo-woo side of it. Also, spirituality, spirituality, as far as um, I'll say, more on the religious side is really important to me. My doula, she's a Christian-based doula, um, so she was able to uh, speak scripture into me when I wanted that. Um, she even sent me like meditations that were scripture-based. So, like, just having those words just repeat in your head over and over is very uh, helpful in affirming me and helping me get ready for the birthing process. Um, when it comes to therapy, this is actually something that that uh, is really important for me to bring up. Um, my husband was very adamant about me getting into therapy. Um, he was already seeing a therapist um, and he was telling me about his experiences I was interested in seeing one. I had seen one when I was younger. It was more of like for testing for like ADHD, that sort of thing. So we did a few sessions, but non in in the way I would do therapy now, kind of as an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was really seeking out a therapist. I ended up starting to see one, I'll say around January, February time. We had a few sessions and I realized we were not a good fit. She was great. But I just felt like we weren't progressing as fast as I would need to um, by the time I would give birth. So I ended up stopped seeing that therapist. Um, But I am still looking for a therapist. So I will add that part in. It was a it was a like not a good fit, but that didn't mean that therapy was not going to be a good fit for me, if that makes sense. Um, It does make sense. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm. I'm. I'm gonna interject here and just say that I can appreciate the authenticity of your sharing because you know, so often we do hear from people who are like, "Yeah, I'm in therapy and it works and it's good," and uh, you know, much like how you described your birthing team, right? Like it was a good fit, everything worked out, you had a happy ending. Um, but we don't all the time hear about these stories where. It's not a good fit, but you still aren't discouraged by the idea of therapy. And so I think that's what you were about to talk about next.
1: Yeah, I'll say I'm not discouraged by the idea of therapy, but I am now a little... I'm a little more nervous. I'll say about finding a therapist because therapy is expensive decision to make. Um, Not all the time, because there are definitely programs where you can, you know, get things for cheaper or for free, even often, you know, depending on the situation. But um, I knew for me, it would probably be more of an expensive experience. And it was with my original therapist. So it's like, okay, if you're going to really make this investment, you do want to get it right. So (laughs) it, it makes you a little nervous, but um, I got out when I felt like it wasn't right. So I think that that's probably the most important lesson that I learned from that situation is, hey, if you're not resonating with something or someone or a situation, stop trying to make it resonate. Once you know it's not resonating with you, once you know you're not feeling the vibe, once you know that the, the energy is not there of, for what you need, stop Staying past that, um, because it's just going to be harder on you. It can depend on the situation, it can be harder on the other person or the other thing that's involved in the situation. So, just removing myself from that, just take it as a lesson learned and you know, move on. So, yeah, that's where I am with the therapy part. So, we talked about uh, therapy, spirituality, and what was the other one that you mentioned? Was and like? um, you also mentioned
0: energy and you doing womb circle.
1: Okay. Yes. Yes. So yeah, that was super important.
0: That was super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, again, will um, say that, you know, we have listeners who um, practice differently and dibble and dab, and as you say, the woo-woo stuff. And, (laughs) you know, the the key here is being able to find what works for you and the thing that um, facilitates the wellness that you deserve throughout your pregnancy and in your postpartum period. And yeah, I just want to say again, like I I am a therapist and I can still appreciate the fact that you're honest and open and talking about your experience in therapy and the, you know, the nervousness that comes after your experience. And um, I just want to encourage you as a, therapist, also a friend that, <laughs> that, um, that you, you, you made the right call, you know, like it's, it's so mm-hmm. important to prioritize your needs and needs being your goals within therapy and understanding that, um, this may have not have been the opportunity for you. Um, but there is one out there. So I wanted yes. to say that as an encouraging word, And then I want to talk about where you're at now, like Taj's, how old and how is motherhood treating you? What things are you learning that maybe you didn't know about yourself, about your spouse? How is that going together now that you all have children? Talk to us a little bit about that while we still have you.
1: Yes. So, wow. When I say this has been um, like the most amazing part of life. Uh, that I have experienced thus far. I have been loving being a mom. It's been so exciting to me. Just, you just start to see life through a different lens, um, in a way. And it's, to me, it just has felt like we're just meeting a little old friend that we've had for forever. And they're just coming back to see us. It just felt like he's just integrated into our family so quickly and so fast. Um, and we just love him. He's, he's been definitely a joy. Um, I will say, uh, as far as my spouse goes, we've been together so long that you almost feel like in some ways I'll say during your younger years, um, when you've been with someone this long, people are always like, how, how are you with them for all of these years? It's almost like when you're young, you meet a new person because we change so often, you know, as children, um, you change so often, um, almost year to year. You just, it's like, you're meeting a new person all the time. (laughs) So, so either works or it doesn't. Thankfully, you know, ours worked, but, um, as you get older, you kind of just grow into who you are. And so you thinking, you're thinking, you know, this person, you know, what you can expect from them. And then all of a sudden they surprise you. And I'll say with, um, with, parenthood, I've always known he was going to be an awesome father, just seeing how he interacts with his cousins, with his, you know, siblings and, you know, um, just like with his family. But Um, seeing it in action has been just you just fall in love all over again (laughs) Mm -hmm. you just fall in love just seeing them you know just love on your child that you made together and um, just seeing them change into an even better and more awesome person um, from having your child in uh, life together and that sort of thing so um, that's been really awesome And I'll say, um, as far as I go, as coming into motherhood, I really shocked myself. I was really nervous, I'll say, because um, I knew that I was going to like being a mom. But I didn't know how to get past Crystal as just, you know, Crystal can do whatever she wants, you know, like out here, I can get in my car whenever I want to and go to the store and go out with my friends and all that sort of thing. Getting past, you know, that in my mind as that version of me to having more responsibility where, hey, you know, I have to be home with my child. I have to make sure they get their um, doctors. I don't even like send doctor's appointments for myself. And I have like a whole human I have to set doctor's appointments for. Like, it's just, it's like, it was blowing my mind. But now I'm at that point in life and it's like, you just do it. And I've enjoyed doing it. And I've enjoyed seeing that part of myself of, um, taking responsibility for another little person. So just seeing myself, um, just get into that role so quickly. It's it's like, here's what I'll say kind of about pregnancy and giving birth. Um, it's one of those moments in life that if if you do have your baby on or near your due date, it's like, you know that that's coming. And then all of a sudden on that day, things just change forever Certain <laughs> sort of situation. situation. Um, I didn't know if I would be prepared for that. It's like an impending date that's coming up. You know, it's coming and I didn't know I would be prepared for it, but. I think everything that I went through through my pregnancy definitely got me ready to that. It was hard. It was very difficult. But I think it really prepared me for how I am now as a mom. And I feel a lot more confident because of everything that I went through. I'm like, if you can handle all of that, you can definitely handle this. So um, and I will add on to I was another reason why I wanted to go to therapy prior to giving birth was because I was um, wanting to kind of have support in place just in case I developed um, postpartum depression. Um, that was something that I had been just looking up a lot and just really concerned about because I have had depression in the past. Um, usually it's like a seasonal sort of thing. So, sort of like around, I guess I'll say fall, winter time. Um what did they, they call it like like fall blues or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so I have had that in the past like year over year. Um, I didn't experience it last year. I don't know if it was different with the situation with COVID and everything going on. But I knew that I was already kind of predisposed to having some sort of like, you know, depressive moods and that sort of thing. So I was like, okay, with, you know, this big hormonal shift coming up, you're already having one with pregnancy, like, you need to see um, to make sure that you have some sort of support in place just in case something happens once you give birth. When I let go of the therapist I had, I was so nervous that if I let go of her and I don't have support in place, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen? I have the baby and it was like nothing happened. Um, I'm thankful that that was my situation Uh, in particular. um, I haven't had um, those moods and I know how real they can be and I know that they still can come up. Um, Not saying that I'm, like, cheery all the time, but that is something that I'm actively monitoring for and looking out for just because of, like, my personality and um, everything that I've experienced prior to being pregnant and um, giving birth. So that's something that I'm looking out for, but I haven't experienced that as of yet. So I'm grateful for that. Um, Yeah, so that's how it's been. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I hear
0: you talk about your spouse and him growing into – fatherhood and you coming into motherhood and this ins- uncertainty that you had surrounding um you know what that would look like for you and how it's all pretty much fallen into place on the days where you have felt not so cheery I'll use your word cheery not so cheery yeah. <laughs> um what does that look like and what things do you i guess use to cope and move through to be resilient to the other side
1: yeah what does that look like um not good Mm -hmm. (laughs) not good and I put good in you know air quotes because Mm -hmm. that could be different for you know some people like yeah it just depends on your perspective but um motherhood is tough like I say you know I, I really enjoyed it I've been having a good time but there's no doubt that it can be really, really difficult. And um, it's constant reframing. So anytime I'm starting to get down about something, um, I either try to reframe it or I try to vocalize um, what I'm experiencing. So Um, In my household, we're pretty vocal about emotions. Um, My husband, he's really vocal about his emotions. I've learned to be vocal about my emotions because I haven't always been that way, but I think I definitely kind of learned that from him. Um, So we definitely share with each other how we're feeling. So if I'm not feeling good about a situation or if I'm just, you know, kind of moody or just, you know, in the moment, I'll express that to him. And if there is a need that I need met, um, if that's something that I can do myself, I try to do it. If that's something that I can get help with, that's something that I'm working on. Um, Sometimes when it comes to those emotions that I need help with, like if I need something externally that can be done, I oftentimes want to do it myself, which is not always the best thing, especially when I was going through all that medical stuff during pregnancy. Um, It's hard on your body. Like uh, even now, like I have, um, what is it now? Another thing I can't pronounce Mm -hmm. the diastasis recti recti where your abs separate Mm -hmm. and you have that, uh, what they call like the mummy tummy and the separation. I have that pretty bad. Um, and like, even like the extra skin and stuff. So I've been working on like strengthening my core, but there are certain movements that you can't do that, you know, can kind of make it worse. So even having help, um, just so I don't overstress my body, um, just being vocal about those vulnerabilities and, you know, those feelings. Um, I think that that has really helped me move past a lot of those down times and days Um, to kind of just like reframe and keep it pushing.
0: Reframing. I love that. I love it. I love it. And we can all, at any point, I'm about to be two years into motherhood in June, and I still am reframing. I reframe all the time. Miles threw my phone across the floor, across the couch earlier today. (laughs) Um, Like (laughs) (laughs) He threw my phone across the couch the other day, because, uh, today, because I think he like I don't even know that's how busy the day was I don't even know something happened and I don't know whether he wanted to go out go back outside or he wanted to get in the pool it was something and it was a reason to him so he hauled the phone across the couch and it hit the floor Mm -hmm. but yeah so and I am reframing (laughs) constantly so I say that to say that that is a good gym for all of us to be able to Take away, in addition to all the other ones that you dropped onto today's episode. Um, so I appreciate that. The last thing um, that I want to ask you, and then I want you to share something with us, but the last thing that I want to ask you is what do you wish that either you had known before giving birth about you, so about yourself, or what would you tell? Yourself before you had baby Taj.
1: Hmm. What I wish I would have known about myself. Um. I'll say definitely. I wish I would have known that I am as strong as I realize I am now. I think before I just considered. I I think I looked at strength through a different lens. And I never associated that with me because, you know, I have, you know, so many women in my life that I've seen go through so many different things um, that I'm like, oh, wow, like they're so strong. But never thinking that about myself and having seen how I handled everything um, and how I'm handling everything now with, you know, limited assistance, you know, it's just me and my husband here and a baby. I'm working full time. I got, you know, the dog at home. I'm holding the baby down, you know, all of that, you know, right now, even in this moment, and I'm able to handle it. Even though probably like, you know, a year ago, I would have been like, girl, you're going to do what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I am strong. And I think that, um, you know, I wish I would have known that before, but it took this experience to teach me that. Mm-hmm. So I still feel like I'm glad that I know that now. I will say that. And what was the other question?
0: It was an or. It was answerable. Oh, it was an or.
1: <laughs> That's the one I picked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was an or. Um, now, the last thing that I asked, you know, all moms is, is there anything that you would like to share that maybe you didn't already share or that you'd like for other moms who may be listening to hear?
1: Um, I will say, well, I already shared this, but because it was so important to me, um I'm gonna share it again. Pick your birth team. Don't let you know the situation kind of pick it for you. Like don't just go on Google and the first name that pops up is who you pick. Really, look at who you're bringing in, and if you don't feel comfortable, go ahead and switch go ahead and switch, go ahead and start finding someone else. If you can get referrals, get referrals, you know, that sort of thing. And I I just say that um, because what you're doing is really important, you know, bringing life into this world, but you being comfortable during that process um, and the whole process, you know, beginning to end, you know, it's really important. It's important for you. Um, And even if you had an experience during your, you know, Your pregnancy where you didn't feel comfortable, you know, it's not too late. You can still um, in a lot of situations, which, you know, providers are looking to um, working with someone else, but just be very conscious of that. And if you're able to um, make those changes for yourself and for your baby.
0: Yeah. That's a good place to end, Crystal. I appreciate you so much and I'm um, so thankful and honored to have held this space for your beautiful story. And yeah, I invite you to come back when Taj turns one, or if you and Trey <laughs> want to come on together and do a little joint <laughs> session about your experiences in parenthood, feel free. This was a yes. pleasure.
1: It was fun. It was, it's fun. I'll think about bringing Trey on because sometimes he likes an audience and he'll start making jokes. And <laughs> I don't, wanna, I don't know if I'm gonna like the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Like I, some of my
0: other moms who have been on, um, they're like, yeah, yeah, we can get them on. And they're like, but wait, Wait, I don't know if... <laughs> <laughs> I know if gonna say this is so I don't know. But yeah, this this was so good. I really appreciate yes, your was really story.
1: Fine. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you take care.
1: All right, bye. Bye-bye.
0: As always, it's important for me to note that this podcast does not replace being connected or receiving therapeutic services from a licensed mental health clinician. If you are experiencing a life-threatening emergency, Call 911 or go to your local emergency room. You can also find additional resources on episode two, one being postpartum.net, where you can get connected with support groups as well as therapists, psychiatrists, other providers within your community that may be of service to you on your motherhood journey. Again, that resource is postpartum.net, but you can find additional ones on episode two. Thank you.